Hello, everybody, and welcome to Untether.tv, your single source for deciphering the mobile experience. I'm your host and founder, Rob Woodbridge. I'm here today with Eli Portnoy from Los Angeles, sunny Los Angeles, California. He's the founder of Think Near, and he'll be on in one second. Before I bring him in, I would like to thank those of you who have had the opportunity to come on and uh, actually sponsor us or go to uh, become a patron of untether.tv. You can go to patreon.com forward slash untether. And all I'm asking for is a dollar. If you find value in the content that I provide each and every day, every day, a dollar a month is what I'm asking for. If you, if you decide you want to pledge $25 or more a month, I'm going to send you a nice, beautiful, beautiful untether mug you can have it you know you can put it right on your desk and you can look at it every single day it's not the one that i use it's a brand new mug even that's what i do for you that's uh 25 dollars or more but you can find out a little bit more information about that at patreon.com forward slash untether and if you do sponsor however much or however little i really appreciate it it comes from the heart and i thank you for doing that so uh, for those of you who have already done that thank you and for those of you about to do it i thank you as well all right now uh this guest, Eli, was on in October of 2011. That was about right, wasn't it, Eli? Yep. My yeah, goodness. That's years ago. How things have changed. Back then, uh, his company, Think Near, was focusing on bringing customers into stores during downtimes or slow times during the day. He called it yield management for retail. So much has happened since then, as we could expect in those two years, including a few direction changes and, uh, oh, yeah. One little thing, eh? Like a $22.5 million transaction that made him part of Telenav. Welcome, Eli. Hey, so what's changed? <laughs> I should well, say, what's, what stayed the same? <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks very much for having me. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been an amazing couple of years, and it's amazing how much has changed. But um, pretty much everything has changed. So we're, we've changed the model. We've changed the business. We're obviously now part of Telenav, which has been fantastic. And... Um, also, the market has changed. So while what we were trying to do back then was at the very, very cutting edge of what was possible, now it's not only possible, but we're pushing the envelope again and doing all sorts of new things that we couldn't have even dreamed about doing back then. Well, back then, you, you were talking about this. You were talking about yield management. I, I, I made a quip, I think, saying like, uh, well, you don't want to call it yield management to retailers because they're not going to understand that. Like, it, it's customers. I want customers in my door. But, but uh, you know, how long... So the sequence went like this. We, we talked in October of 2011. And uh, by October of 2012, you, you were acquired by Telenav. And in that year, you've done a couple of changes of business model. What happened to the whole idea of yield management? Yeah, so um, the basic idea we had when we spoke was we were going to find out when small businesses, mom and pop retailers, had busy and slow times. And whenever we figured out that they had slow times, we'd go and buy mobile ads um, from all of the existing mobile ad networks, and we'd show ads to people nearby with discounts and try to drive them in. The basic idea is if I'm Joe's Pizza and I know that there are certain times when I don't have customers, let me use mobile ads to bring them in. But that whole concept was too complicated and took too much time for the retailer, so we wanted to automate the entire thing. So we went out and we built exactly that, and we spoke in October, and we, we were really excited because this was going to change the way small businesses did business. Um, except one one thing happened, which we didn't anticipate. We went out and we started buying these mobile impressions on behalf of our merchants and working with all of the existing mobile ad networks. And we found out two things. One is they were not equipped to do location-based targeting. Like they were really, really having a hard time targeting people nearby. And that was the premise of our entire model. 
And the second thing is, when they could target people nearby, they just didn't have enough scale to do it in any meaningful way. So we've, we looked at ourselves and we said, how is this possible? Like we built this entire business under the assumption that this could be done because everyone told us it could be done because it was so obvious meaning mobile is portable. The whole point of mobile is that people take it with them everywhere they go, and it's got location capabilities. It's got GPS built in. How could advertisers not take advantage of this? How have like all of these ad networks emerged and not done location well? So we said, we're going to forget everything we thought about for the SMBs and small businesses and all of that piece, and we're just going to focus on solving that issue. We're going to allow advertisers to target mobile ads by location in a very precise way, and we're going to allow them to do it at scale. And so we, we dropped everything and we started building it and um, it took us about six or seven months to build a very early V1 version of our product. And within months, we were already doing business with some of the biggest brands in the world. And um, a few months after that, Telenaf came knocking and um, the rest, as I say, is history. But it was an amazing couple of years because how much has changed. Well, and, and you don't have to be so humble to say like the $22.5 million, I still think stands out as the single largest exit from a Techstars company, not just a, you were the first exit from a New York based Techstars uh, tech company, but it's also the largest acquisition that's ever been made by one of those companies, isn't it? Uh, that's what I understand. Yeah. It's definitely very humbling to Well, obviously th that change from what you were doing around yield management into uh, creating this uh, highly targeted location-based ad network was a good one. <laughs> Is that an understatement? I, I think it worked out. It's a smart guy over here, right? Is that a, that's a good move, right? Um, but was it really, was it easy to make the decision? Like when you went out and you said, listen, th these ad networks aren't delivering what you anticipated they were going to be delivering and there's a demand in the marketplace. Was it like, did you have to hum and haw about this? Did you go away? Did you talk to your investors? What was that process of just dropping the whole yield management and moving into this space? It, it was incredibly painful and difficult decision. It was not easy at all because it I had gotten up in front of 500 investors and told them, I am going to change the world with yield management. And I got in front of all of your viewers and I'd said the same thing. And I passionately believed I could. And so saying that it wasn't going to work was in a large part an admission of defeat that it wasn't. So that was really hard to get over. And then on top of that, we had investors who had given us money under this one concept. And we thought there was a bigger opportunity, but um, it wasn't as simple as just changing paths and doing what we wanted to do. So there was, there was a few months there where you know, we were having offsites. We were really trying to understand, is this an opportunity or is this just a way out for us to you know, try something new when what we were doing wasn't working? And ultimately, we, we decided, no, this is really an opportunity. There's something there. And um, fortunately, our investors were incredibly supportive. And um, fortunately, we have very small ego. So we were able to take the defeat and keep going. I don't know if it's a defeat. But like, you know, I, I think that if there's anything that this entire mobile landscape or this mobile revolution has taught us is that, I mean, those who are not nimble, those who do not move with fleet of foot, those who do not move quickly, uh, often perish at their own peril because the ideas, they get stubborn around their ideas. And we, when we talked back a couple of years ago, I mean, I used to use this term, right? like you're building infrastructure, you're building a foundation on basically a molten lava, right? Because the world was shifting so quickly back then. It still is. As you said at the beginning, you're doing things that today you find innovative, but the things that you wanted to do two years ago seem commonplace now, right? So uh, that's how quickly things move. But that whole period when you were in there in that kind of in, in limbo between, you know, the old think near and what became the new think near, um, like, were, were you, did you just kind of ball up in a cocoon with your team? Or were you still building out the that, uh, you know, the yield management piece? 
No, when we made the decision to to move into this next evolution of our company, we completely just stopped working. It. We dropped, and that was a really important decision for us because we we just had to, we were a team of four people, so we really couldn't afford to have distractions. So we completely stopped everything we were working on and just focused exclusively on on this new product. And it's um, it, it was more than that though, because you mentioned the cocoon, but. Um, we were building this product on a leap of faith that others would want what we wanted because we were essentially building a product that we needed um, for our initial vision. And we were just assuming that others would have the same desire. And so um, I had a lot of sleepless nights where I, I, you know, it was build it and they will come. And I wasn't sure that they would come. And I remember um, very vividly about a month after the product was ready, um, I was going out and I was trying my hardest to sell it to agencies and brands. And um, we had a board meeting and the board meeting starts and, I basically opened it up by saying, you know, guys, um, we've got this product. I know it's awesome, but I haven't sold a dollar worth of revenue. And I, I may not just, I may just not be the guy to go and sell this. And, um, fortunately my board was really patient. They said, no, it takes a little bit longer. Sales cycles take a little bit longer. And, and the next day, literally the next day we got $150,000 IO and the day after 50,000 and it just started snowballing. But, um, yeah, it was a leap of faith, and we were in our little cocoon, and we prayed, and we had faith, and it, it happened. Why not? Why, would you, did you go out and talk to these guys beforehand as you were building the product, or did you literally build the product on a, on a, on a whim? So I spoke to a lot of customers before doing it, but the problem is there, was, there is and there was so much confusion about hyperlocal ads. Um, we would talk to some guys, and they'd say, yeah, everyone is doing it. And that wasn't true because we were trying to get it done with all of the players they were mentioning. And then we'd go to others, and they'd say, like, that can't be done. No one could do that. And so, like, we felt like there was an opportunity, but no one was actually out there buying it. No one was saying, yes, we would buy from you. So it was definitely a big leap of faith. So, I mean, that's, that's really interesting because um, the perception was that it was being done. Or the perception was that it couldn't be done, and uh, and was anybody at any point in time during that period doing it? So there were a lot of people who were claiming to do it, but as we found out firsthand, no one was doing it well. So um, when I when I was internalizing and trying to understand like why is something so obvious not being done, I realized that there were a couple of points. One is a lot of people were coming at this from the perspective of online advertising. They basically their teeth in the online advertising world and all of a sudden mobile emerged and the way they saw it was okay well we have big pc and we have little pc and <laughs> big pc on a little pc and we were approaching it totally differently we were saying this is a mobile portable device this is nothing like the pc what worked online shouldn't necessarily be brought to the mobile um device and so that was one thing the second thing was um the location happens to be one of the hardest problems to solve it's it's inherently problem for a whole bunch of reasons, um, just from the data side, it's a very, very nuanced and difficult problem that very few people can do right. And so if you think of it as like an add-on, you can't do it right. You can't think of it as an add-on. So all these mobile ad networks had emerged, and then they started adding things like location, and that just doesn't work. And we came at it from, we are going to solve for location first, and everything will emerge around that. I see. And I want to talk about that, the the uh, the state of location accuracy, because you did a great presentation down in, in Florida recently about that, that caught Chuck Martin's eye. And we talked about it on a mobile minute. Uh, and that's where all of this stems from. But but I, I do want to know, describe we're at that point now. You, you you have pivoted, you've changed your business model, you've gone out, you've closed some deals. What does your company do at that moment? Expl walk us through what you guys do, what Thinknear does. 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, what we do is we allow advertisers to target consumers with ads on their mobile devices based on location. So we like to say that we use location intelligently to deliver incredible campaigns for consumers and advertisers. What that really means is that we're using location, understanding where you are when we show you an ad so that we can do one of three things. We can show you an ad because you're close to something else. So we call that proximity-based marketing. So you're near McDonald's, here's a McDonald's ad. Um, we can do it to target you because you are part of an audience that's interesting to an advertiser. So um, you're at a sports stadium watching a Yankee game. And so we want to target you because we, that tells us something about who you are and it relates to what we're trying to, to sell. And then the third is what we call geo retargeting. And that is, I am showing you an ad because I know you've been to several locations of interest to me. You've left a trail of intent through the locations you visited. So you've been to a car dealership three times in the last month. Therefore, I think you're an auto intender. Therefore, I want to show you an ad. So we're building these products on top of really, really precise location targeting capabilities. And we're building these products on top of this idea that if I know where you are, I can derive all this information that's useful um, in showing you ads that are relevant. And these ads just appear. So basically, somebody would take your network, plop it into their apps. Your ads would take over when they're in that proximity. Yeah, so it, it's a app you already use. And we're basically working through either directly with the um, publisher or the app or with um, third-party inventory sources like exchanges or ad networks. Right. And we're taking over that ad unit. So from the consumer standpoint, nothing changes. You're using the same apps you were always using. You're just seeing more relevant ads that are actionable because they're related to what you're doing right then and there. Do you, like, is there a specific market of applications that works best with you guys? Like I would think like newspaper apps, those kind of things that, uh, that are, are opened often and highly local. Yeah, so those are awesome because they get really good location and they know how to get a good location. But surprisingly, we find that there are a whole bunch of other apps that you wouldn't expect, but that pull location for a variety of reasons. And as long as the location is really, really good, it actually works. And, and the way I think about that, the way I um, finally understood it is I thought of the example of um, me on my computer. When I see an ad, what I'm actually doing is I'm on my computer and I'm looking at a website. And what's most relevant to me at that moment in time is the website I am looking at. And so if the ad is relevant to the website, that's good. In mobile, it's actually different. The screen is smaller and my attention is a little bit different. It's not, I'm not sitting down for a session on my phone. What I'm actually doing is, you know, I'm at the bus stop and I'm playing a game for a few minutes while the bus comes. So what's actually more relevant to me is the fact that I'm, I'm in a bus stop rather than I'm playing Angry Birds on my phone. And so tying that ad to my location context is way more powerful. And that's why I think that having good location actually matters more than um, the specific app that you're on. What about, uh, so how, how can, how do companies, local companies, use this to their benefit because i you know i talk to a lot of them like the majority of them aren't doing it as you as, as you pointed out and then um they're doing it for, they're not doing it for a, a variety of different reasons one they think it's too expensive two they think it doesn't work three they think it's too complicated i mean what are some of the some, some things that these companies can do how do you sell it to them to get over this little these hurdles we sell it to more than just local companies. To us, location really matters to any company doing business because location is more than just proximity. Yeah. You, location is just a part of what we do every day. So the, the way I talk to advertisers, I tell them, listen, um, what you care about is attention and you want to reach people. Um, 
And you can do that in a bunch of different mechanisms. Most, more and more and more of people's attentions are focused on the device, on the mobile screen. And so you need to find a really good and compelling way to reach them at the right time with the right message. And location enables that in a way that no other medium does. And so it's, it's less about location. Location enables what we're trying to do, but it's not as much as it used to be about location. Because when we first started thinking about location, it was all about proximity. You're close to this, therefore I'm going to show you an ad. But we found that it can be so much more than that. And so what's the impact of a company that, that, uh, that does, that works with you guys? Yeah, I mean, so we've done campaigns with um, dozens of the Fortune 500, Fortune 1000, um, you know, biggest brands out there. And what we're finding is that they're seeing amazing results. When they're engaging with folks on mobile, they're engaging with them in a way that's relevant to, to them in a way that they can't on any other medium. So we're seeing great click-through rates, conversions, um, Basically, any metric we look at, we end up seeing great results for them, and they keep coming back. So let me let, let's. I want to compare these two different models that you that you were using. So with with Think Near version one, uh, which was yield management, you you were selling to the local businesses, right? Yeah. Think and and there was like kind of like a, literally, I got to go to that business. I got to go to that business. I got to go to that business. Or there's a chain that you might go to, you know, in a city. Um, but it's literally business. You're selling to a business. And 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 think near version two. You're selling to large corporations that want to reach into, uh, you know, in, into a, you know, in a contextual way to their customer base. That, that's exactly right. So our our business not only shifted in terms of the product, but also who our core market was. So we now um, have a team that's selling directly to the biggest brands and agencies out there. We do also have a team that's selling small businesses, but not directly, only through channel partners. Yeah, it, that's a that's a strong lesson right there, isn't it? It's a lesson, definitely. Well, it's a, how do you scale, right? Uh, that's that's the key. Is that it, it might work, and I see a lot of guys that do this. It, it, like it might work in your neighborhood. It might work with a lot of work in your city, but will it work in the city next to you and then in the country below you or above you, right? And I think that that's really, that, that's the biggest challenge. If, if you need to, we talked about these guys two years ago, all the coupon guys, and you were saying, listen, if that ever, if they can ever just subside, right? If they could, if they could just disappear for a little while and let guys like us poke our heads up, um, but those guys, we saw this over the last two years. Scale for them meant a thousand bodies in a city, and that's that's just not that's not just that's just not manageable. It's not good business, right? Yeah. No, it's it's tough. Um, local SMB type businesses are really challenging because it's just so difficult, so nuanced. Every city is different, and then on top of that, it's so expensive to sign up a new customer, and it's so hard to make that work on a offering that they can pay for, which tends to be very cheap. So you've got high customer acquisition cost, low price point for the product, and it's just it's tough. And it high turnover. And, and, and those are the, you know, the small, medium-sized businesses are the guys that are on the phone with you all the time. So high, high customer support costs, all those kind of things. So you, do you have any advice for those little guys that are trying to figure out how to play in this game? Yeah, so um, are you asking like, advice for the small businesses? For those yeah. Start the small businesses? Yeah. Um, so there are some really good products out there that have basically created mini agencies for small businesses. And basically they take all of the different products, the online display, the search engine marketing, the mobile, and they basically create an offering that's really compelling, really works. And um, I think that's probably the way to go. And I think that's where the entire industry is moving because you can't have 10 different products calling into one small business. It's got to all consolidate and have one little mini agency do it. 
And that's, I, I mean, we're seeing that everywhere is that the confusion in this market is so great because there's so many offers, like just like not only in the advertising market, but in the payment space. And it's just, it's, it's overwhelming for everybody. So everybody kind of takes a step back and thinks, okay, we'll just, we'll just let this, the big boys duke it out. Then we're going to jump on when, when, when all the dust settles and we'll, we'll, we'll try to figure it out. But so you became part of a big boy, right? Yeah. Tell me about this process. Like, so you go through this gut wrenching, painful change of business, right? You're in your cocoon. The four of you guys are duking it out timidly in front of the investors. You say, look, we got a great product, but no customer. Then all of a sudden the next day a customer lands. It's like, bang, things start to accelerate. And you said that you, you know, from the time that you pivoted, it was six months into it. And then what, like Telenav just knocks on your door one day? Yeah. Uh, so Telenav basically um, calls us tells us that they have this um, this incredible opportunity to work with us, that there's a business development opportunity. And so we start talking to them and we start thinking about what that looks like. And um, very quickly, it turns into an acquisition discussion. And uh, I'm, I need to st I start thinking, well, um, we've got a massive opportunity to go and build something. And we've got this you know, once in a lifetime opportunity to have a product the right product in the right market and build something huge. But at the same time, we've got this opportunity to be a part of a bigger company that's incredibly relevant, that's got a ton of data that would be helpful to us, a ton of experience, um, and to accelerate what we want to do and really win this market. And so it was very difficult decision, but um, I couldn't be happier with the way it worked out. What was, what's going through your head? Like, so you describe it well, is that you've got this great opportunity um, you've got a little bit of investment from, from your investors. Did you go to those guys and say, Hey, listen, he, he, here's Telenav over here. I believe that we can drive this. We, as you said, we're at the right place at the right time with the right product selling to the right people. Um, and, um, what, was there tension around, around this or was it, did they say, take the deal? I don't know if you can answer these questions, but, but I'm always interested in this because, you know, I talk to a lot of guys. And they say, yeah, I took the money because this company, all of a sudden, I can now, I have resources, right? I'm not scrambling. I'm not the CEO that has to go fundraising and go and, and, and deal with investors. I'm the CEO of a small group that I can now go and accelerate the product and get product into market. So was that your thinking? Uh, so it was part of it. Resources, fortunately, we, we were about to close on a pretty big round of funding. So I, I thought we would be okay there, but, but it's just, it wasn't going to be to the same extent. And uh, LNF has been doing location-based services for 14 years on mobile. Guys. Yeah. The data they had, the, the resources, the deep understanding of how location actually is pulled from a device was just stuff that would accelerate you know, our knowledge learning in in pretty significant way. But um, ultimately, I don't think VCs really care about what it, the business wants it sold. I think the, the decision really came down to, is this the right move for the business today? And uh, you know, there were some tense moments, but fortunately, we had very supportive VCs who um, really ultimately wanted the entrepreneurs to do what the entrepreneurs wanted to do. And, and this was what um, I thought was the right move for the business. So they were very supportive. How do you how do you feel, Eli, about uh, closing, like doing all of this? Uh, you, you know, like, it's not it's not easy to be reflective of this. And, and uh, you're a humble guy. And and but over, you know, over a two year period. And I'm just going to say this, you've got this you know, it, it takes a, a very unique individual, and we see this in the mobile space uh, quite a bit um, around the great entrepreneurs that are able to pivot. But you, you know, you go down a path, you're not feeling it. 
you you have your little spidey senses that are popping up saying no 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 we gotta we gotta look at different opportunities and you have the the wherewithal to be able to see a different opportunity and then bring everybody in line oftentimes you'll lose partners as a result because it's a different business but you manage to hold everything together and you go straight in a line you you uh, align all your investors you build a product in six months um you bring in you know it's vindicated you're validated by bringing on customer base and then uh, you know almost days later a big guy like Telenav says, listen, we want you and we're going to pay to have you $22.5 million. Um, like, when you reflect on these two years, I mean, how do you feel about all of this? Uh, I'm incredibly grateful. It, it's one of those things where uh, you had asked me three years ago if I ever thought that this would happen. There was no way. And it's just, uh, it's incredible. But the thing is that, you know, it was a very, very, very quick amount of time, but there was an immense amount of work that the team put in. And uh, one of the, the cliches that I hear a lot about startups is it's all about the team, but I lived it firsthand. Like the, what the team was able to do and like the, the way you know, the engineer is building this entire product on two people in six months, um, it was an amazing effort. And then having, you know, I was the only one going out and selling, so it was me and um, our CEO. Yeah, I mean, it's very, very tough to reflect and not be awed and humbled and just incredibly grateful to the opportunity. Well, I mean, yeah, I would be. I would, I would be sitting back and thinking, no, I, I, there's no ego, but I'd be sitting back and thinking in marvel over the last two years. And, and uh, so congratulations on, on doing that. I, like, I don't want it to be uncomfortable between us, right? I mean, if I could give you a hug, I would. I would say, like, this, like it's, it's great. And, and one of the things that, that I often I lament around the mobile industry is are, are those those idiots that don't take the money when it's good. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, like we talk about Groupon not taking $6 billion, right? And, and I think that, you know, when you have an opportunity to, to uh, do a couple of things, take some money off the table for yourself, for your investors, create a great relationship with your investors, because you know that in a number of years, you're going to step back out, they'll be, they'll embrace you and be willing to put more money into an idea that you have because you had success. And um, so to be able to take the money off the table and do the things that you did. So, uh, and then also see what's great for the product in a larger company like, like Telenav. So I'm, uh, I'm, you know, I think it's, I think it's great. I, 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 so now, um, I'm also I'm so interested in this because I, I do this podcast with Asif, as you know, the, this week in location-based marketing, and we talk a lot about um, location accuracy, contextual relevance, location-based marketing, which is all that we talk about pretty much, and and uh, and you know we talk about these new technologies that are emerging, and and you did this unbelievable job, uh, Chuck Martin told me. Uh, of this presentation down at uh, Florida at a Media Post event. And uh, I, I have to ask you to bring, the, I'm going to bring this up, might open up a wound, but what, tell me about the state of location accuracy, because I think it's this, it's the giant elephant in the room that nobody's talking about that, that maybe it isn't as accurate or we're not collecting the right data. Tell me about this. Yeah. So I mentioned earlier that location is incredibly difficult and it's nuanced and it's, it's hard to know difficult it is until you're actually in the weeds trying to make it work. I, I was once at an agency where we were talking about what we were doing, and he said, you know, location is so hard. I know because one of our big clients is a QSR, a quick serve restaurant, and when they send out a mailing to their uh, restaurant, one third of them get returned because they have the wrong address. So the, the franchise itself has the wrong addresses. And, and I believe it because they see how bad like some of the data that's out there is. And there's just so many examples. An example of it is, you know, if, if you assume that Google has perfect data in Google Maps and you start using that to figure out where points of interest are, 
you'd actually be wrong on mobile advertising because what they're doing is they're finding the uh, entrance or the drive, and that's the point that they're giving you. But that's not actually because what you want is like the rooftop point. You want the center point of it if you're going to make decisions. And that's just one tiny little example. But anyway, when it comes to location access, what we found was when we first started Think Near, um, there was very little location information coming with the ad request. There was probably maybe 5-15% that was coming through. And a good chunk of it was active. But as more and more folks started buying location-based inventory and more players emerged, there became this massive incentive for publishers to start passing location. They were getting paid more if they passed location, so they wanted to, and they started passing it. Now, the problem is it's actually not easy to get location data because you need to have permission from the user. The user has to have their GPS on. The phone has to have a clear line of sight to the GPS satellites. And so what was happening is they weren't getting great location all the time, and they were basically deriving location in other ways that were much less accurate and passing it as flat long. So what ended up happening is the market, the number of location enabled impressions grew, but the quality of those impressions um, didn't grow as quickly. And so we started seeing a lot of really bad location information. So we did this study, we did this experiment where we basically ran tens of millions of ads. We asked users who clicked on our banner, um, we could pull their location on the website they went to. And we pulled location straight from the finest source we could from GPS. And we compared the location we got ourselves to the location that was coming in the ad request. And what we found was only 32% of those impressions had location accuracy within 100 meters, which is kind of interesting because what we also found was that 42% of the impressions were off by um, over 6,000 meters, which is like, which is crazy. And then we looked again and we saw that 26% of the impressions were off by 10,000 meters. So it's just what we realized as location becomes a bigger and bigger piece of this ecosystem, the opportunity is growing, but also the, the junk is growing. And it's really important to be very thoughtful about really understanding location and the nuances and getting it right. Otherwise, it can be bad. But if you do it right, it can be incredible. It can be amazing. Who, who else is talking like this? Uh, <laughs> so there's a lot of folks talking about location. Clearly, the market's uh, grown and there's a lot of competitors and there's some really great competitors too but we we believe that we are the guys who care the most about location accuracy about making sure that the fundamentals are right because we've been at it for so long and we, when you combine what telenav's done and like the access to like the hardware level gps and so like we think we are the location experts like I, we don't even think it's close we are the location experts but um you know and there are others who are really good at like the the data overlays and there are others who are really good at like you know building partnerships with publishers but when it comes to like location expertise um we think we are the best let me run this by you i, I mean i i i would i would say like it was so shocking that uh, first of all that these numbers were like that so what 26 percent were 10,000 meters away that's yeah. 6.1 or 6.2 miles yeah like that that is crazy so that's 10 kilometers in canada so that's not location like you know and i i overlay lay this with a uh you know uh, with a study that they said how far people would go for discounts and uh and people would travel you know 60 miles for a 25 or 30 percent discount right it's 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 so 10 anyway i mean it, that's just it's just you're way off but what what if 
what about these things, these archaic systems or organizations called like the post office, the U.S. post office and, and Canada Post up here, right? So these guys are pivoting at a, at a great rate. I mean, Canada Post is your package delivery system for your e-commerce uh, your e-commerce purchases now, right? So they, they're, um, you know, in parts of my city, they've stopped door-to-door -door delivery, which is their bread and butter, right? Um, so, but they own what I think, and, and the U.S. Postal Service, they own what I would think is the, the greatest, the single greatest database of locations ever like no other no other business or no other company can own that kind of data is that is that accurate oh yeah no i think they're, okay. they're sitting in the treasure trove there so uh who buys them right or better yet uh, how how does how do they play into this with what you guys are doing uh what telenav is doing what location-based ads are doing and why aren't they doing these things yeah, it's interesting because location's been so important for so long. It's not the first time that location's mattered. I mean, if you think about direct mailing and, um, I mean, all of the different data companies that have emerged on, to basically help direct marketers and how effective that is. I mean, you go back to Sears. That's how Sears started. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know exactly how they, they can transition into this new world, but they clearly have incredible assets. Yeah, like I just think that they should be licensing that uh, because if you want data accuracy for location, I don't. There is not another one. There's not another organization in Canada or the United States that that has that kind of activity or that that kind of accuracy. Um, but it, it's fascinating. So how do how how do you solve these things? So a few things around that. What can what can advertisers? What can companies do to ensure that they're not getting rooked? Right? Because ultimately, you're saying that seventy percent are not within what they've been promised, right? If, if, it's, if it's location or contextual or location accuracy. So what can organizations do in order to be able to not be in that 70%? Yeah, so I think first it, it comes down to picking the right partners and really understanding um, the intricacies of the technologies and how they're doing things and, and really what they're about. Because I think business is so hard. It's truly difficult to be good at many things. And so finding folks who are really good at um, the things that are important and the things that you care about, I think, is really important. Um, but ultimately, the, you know, if I was a brand, what I would ultimately look for is the results. Like, what do conversions look like? What, do we, what are the actual results of my campaigns? Because ultimately, you, know, you can fudge the numbers 100 different ways. You can do all sorts of things. But if ultimately it's driving sales, it means all of the pieces that need to be going right are going right. So that's what I always focus on. Uh, you know, this whole concept of attribution and conversion and, you know, it's been very, very difficult, but it's actually getting solved now. And, and I think that'll give brands much deeper insight into, you know, who's doing well and who's not. Well, that's it. I mean, you, you guys ran this uh, uh, partnership with Placed uh, to kind of to, to to what to close that loop to bring uh, attribution to the ads, right? Yeah, absolutely. So it's, you know, if we are trying to help automaker or car car companies drive more people into the lots, then we should be able to show them how much lift we're actually generating and place helps us do that. If we're working with uh, a quick serve restaurant and they're trying to drive foot traffic, we need to help them understand. And, and we really like place for a bunch of reasons. One is um, we like the methodology they're using. We think that they're doing, they're a really smart team and they're, they're doing great things, but even more importantly, they're an independent third party. And that matters so much because we see a lot of our competitors building this in-house and we, we had the conversation and I just shot it down the day the conversation started because you know, we can't be providing attribution for our own, like that's, 
just a huge conflict of interest. And so we love what Place is doing, and we love being partners with them, and we love using a third party to do it. Um, and we love the results we're seeing, and we feel really proud to, to talk to them with clients about it because it's just it's, it's our results, but we have nothing like they're just arm's length. We, so it's great. Yeah, and that's that's very important, and and I love that. I mean, I mean, you you have to have your principles as a business, and and there it is, right? You you found your line where you won't gonna aren't gonna cross. Um, so so this whole this whole concept of attribution is is very unique. Does it affect the way that that you guys price? Like, is there a point where you are? It's not about display. It's about it's about uh, contributing to the sale. And, and attribution that you guys will 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 price against, or is it is uh, is are we too early for that? It's still a little bit early, unfortunately, but we're definitely getting there. And and you know we've been experimenting with it. We have run a bunch of campaigns where, especially on on our search product, because we power a whole bunch of GPS solutions for AT and T Navigator, Sprint, Ford, where we. Uh, we will charge on a drive-to basis. So if people see the search for something, they see one of the ads, and they actually click to start driving there through our own GPS, we can that like we control that entire experience. So we can actually, like it's cool. Yeah, yeah it's awesome. Um, on the display side, um, placed is really really strong, but it's still direct. It's still not 100% accurate because it's still panel based. Yeah. And so I think we need to get a little bit closer to fully closing the loop before we can do that. So, do you see a day like when that when that happens, where it's it's like you're not you're not an there's no more advertising. It's more like you you know there's a commission on every sale, and that's how you get paid. I mean, I'd I'd love for that to happen, and if I didn't sort of like draw on the experience of online, I'd say we're really close. But in online, that hasn't really happened, and it's even easier to close that loop. So, I think there's some incentive on behalf of the uh, ad technology companies not to do that because you think CPM, but um, we'll yeah. definitely. Stuff and try to get there as soon as we can. You know what? They, they'll drive CPM uh, down to zero before and, and into the negatives before they they decide to get rid of the ads because yeah. you know it's lazy. It's lazy, lazy, lazy. And the stuff that you're doing ads it just it kind of shines a huge light on how lazy people are around ads, right? Is it uh, like you know even large companies that have their marketer or their advertiser running their location-based ads like that, that, that just shouldn't happen. Like, you know, you, you graduate from college and uh, in marketing, that doesn't make you a location-based marketing expert. Right. And yeah. that, I see that all the time and they wonder why it doesn't work. And I say, well, you, you don't have the expertise, right? It works, but that person can't do the job. And it's not a fault of that person. It's the fact that it's a different specialty, right? Yeah. It's incredibly, incredibly difficult, and it, it's it's unfortunately one of those things where the only way to learn is to actually be a part of it and make mistakes and and just learn it. And yeah, it's, but I, fortunately, I do think people are starting to get it, and they're starting to get more. And I think um, things like this show are helping to educate the market, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, it's light light education, right? <laughs> it's like, yeah, yes, I, I we try. That's, I mean, that's the key is that, you know, the whole goal here is to is to bring the story so that like I'm not directing you to do anything, listening or watching. But what I'm what I'm doing is I'm exposing you to the things that are around and, and, and to what companies like ThinkNear are doing, which is so important. Um, and, and that's why that's why, you know, if there's anything to glean from it's it's listen, go and try stuff. But and don't be ashamed or don't be don't be afraid to fail. But what, if you do or if you don't have the expertise, please go and find somebody who does. You know, because you can save yourself a lot of money and a lot of aggravation. And all those guys two years...
think it's done. All those guys two years ago who tried to do this and failed and have a bitter taste in their in their mouth and say that I'll never do it again. That, that's just wrong for their business. It's wrong for the industry. And, and I hate to see that. So um, I'll, I'll contribute where I can. All right. Now, last last set of questions here um, is just around where this is going. So you that, that example that you just said, right? So you're uh, because of Telenav, um, you're in uh, obviously Nav Systems, and uh, so when somebody clicks on a uh, you know a, a restaurant or a location, and you can actually drive them to that location, you have a clear attribution that's affect you've affected that ultimately. Uh, I mean, but that's that's a great example of it. But where does where where else does this can this industry go? How does the Internet of Things does it play into this and and beacons and nodes and all those kind of stuff? How do you, how do you work with those kind of things as you go forward in the next year? Yeah, so I think ultimately what what's happening is the location targeting was the the core, the infrastructure that you needed, and then on top of that, you can start building really cool and interesting. Uh, technology. So now that we know where someone is and we can start pulling in iBeacon type uh, data to figure out what's like in very, very close proximity to them. And we can start using other sensors on the phone and internet of things to figure out the temperature and the weather and um, the, the uh, precipitation. Like there's so much data that now is available that you can really get to the holy grail of marketing, which is you know, targeting you because I know where you are, what you're doing, what's happening around you, and we're going to see that accelerate and be enabled by all of these new developments. So it's very exciting. Do you go in store at any point? So I, I think that is an incredibly exciting opportunity. I think we're still a little bit away from that, both from a deployment of some of these technologies like iBeacon and also from that deployment actually like coming back full circle and getting passed through an ad request and some other technical issues. But we're definitely moving in that direction. And I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing some like real gains there in the next year. So what 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 about you? Like um, you seem to be pretty happy inside of Telenav doing what you're doing and and driving. Uh, they've they've left you autonomous enough, obviously. Yeah, I know Telenav has been an amazing acquirer. They've given us a lot of flexibility, a lot of autonomy, and a lot of support. Yeah, and so you're there for a while. Yeah, no, I'm loving it. You're not announcing like a new startup on this episode. Eh? <laughs> Sorry, no Rob. scoop there. Okay, <laughs> all right. All right, my, my absolute last question uh, is is around the tools that you use. Um, you know, I, I often, it has nothing to do with your business, but uh, you know, I use a, a number of applications and I love discovering new applications. I read a ton of books around the industry and I love discovering new books, uh, a ton of websites or resources. Is there anything out there that you see that's been inspiring to you that you look at and you think, oh, that is so cool, I wish I'd done that, or an app that you're using or a website or a book that you've read in the last little while that has, uh, that has been inspiring to you? Yeah, so there are a couple of apps that I find really interesting. I think one, some of the stuff Foursquare is doing recently has been actually really interesting with around the push notification and contextual location. So I think they've done a really nice job, and I think that's really cool. Uh, you know, one of the things I've started doing is um, reading biographies for you know, this titans over the last you know, 100, 150 years because so much history repeats itself, and it's, it's so much about just you know, seeing the stuff that matters in all of the turbulence that happens in this world. So right now I'm reading uh, Sam Walton's biography, and that's okay. been inspiring. Sam Walton. And what do you think, um, uh, what do you think happens to Foursquare? Any, any thoughts on that? Because, you know, they've done some great integrations with uh, eHarmony, and they've done some great integrations with Yelp now, um, and, uh, and certainly the push notifications, which, which is, uh, I, I think, you know, 
a step in the right direction. They've started to monetize their data and their database. Um, but what do you think happens to those guys? They've been in kind of Neverland for a long time. Yeah. You know, the, the thing about startups that's so incredible is that we have opportunities to pivot. The, the problem with startups is that if you raise too much money, those pivots get harder and harder. So uh, I think they've built some really cool things. I think their location data set is one of the best out there. And um, companies don't. Um, and, and I hope they can make it happen. I don't know where exactly they go, but I, I really sincerely hope they make it happen. Are pioneers in this space, that's for sure. And I'm sure that they've uh, turned down many, many acquisition offers in order to be able to stay the course, but uh, that's Foursquare. All right, Eli, I've taken up enough of your time. Um, it, it, we, we shall not wait two plus years until the next time we actually we convene. So uh, keep me in mind, and I will keep you in mind in a couple of quarters as you guys are starting to roll out new product and roll out new services. And anytime you have a good case study that uh, that demonstrates how what you're doing is impactful, like the placed partner uh, piece about attribution, um, or when you're pushing out new survey results, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to have you back on to discuss those, if you're okay with that. Absolutely. Thank you, Rob. Bye. I vividly remember a conversation two and a half years ago, and I really don't want it to be another two and a half years. Thank you. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. And if you like, I, I just I've been mesmerized behind you. If you're just if you're not watching this, if you're listening to this. Uh, there's just just beautiful sunshine in uh, Los Angeles, and I'm I'm so envious of you. But uh, I guess that's the the compromise, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you should come visit us. But um, when I started the company, my wife told me that I could start. I started in LA where she's from, so I can't complain. Eli, thank you for your time, man. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Rob. Really appreciate it. So if you want to find out a little bit more about what Eli is up to, go, please, please, please go visit thinknear.com. Thinknear.com. I want to thank Eli for coming on. I want to thank you guys for listening wherever you are. Whatever you are doing, please, 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 please come back again. But thank you for sitting through this one. And again, if you made it this far, um, I do the uh, four interviews a month. So if you consider that this is worth 25 cents, do you think this was worth 25 cents? Please go to patreon.com forward slash untether. You know, sponsor for a buck. You will have my undying love. I am cheap. I come cheap. $12 a year is all that I'm asking for. If you've already done that, I appreciate it greatly. And we'll see you next time on untether.tv. Thanks, Eli. Thank you.